You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. The secret to well-being is discovering the power that is your birthright, the power to create a happier, healthier life drawn from our own vast internal resources. Join Jules and her guests as they gently guide you to shift your perspective from the familiar negative to the divinely connected, a place that will not only positively impact your world, but possibly shift the planet. It's all right here on Law of Attraction Talk Radio. Well, welcome to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I'm Jules from beautiful Southern California, La Quinta, the desert, which is south of Palm Springs, California. And I love, love, love it here. It is such a beautiful oasis in the desert. Now, this week we've had 117 degree weather and it's hot. But I can safely look at it from inside wherever I am, and I can marvel at the creation of an air conditioner, something so simple that did not exist even 50 years ago. The creation of this has allowed people to move into areas that were uninhabitable before. There's no way to keep cool in the 117, 120 degree weather. But now there is. This is the law of attraction. You see, we can create. We are powerful beings. There is nothing stopping us by looking at the problems and overcoming them. We are powerful. And we are continuing to move forward by addressing the problems and finding solutions, be that an air conditioner, be that a refrigerator, be that health issues, be that cancer. There is a myth out there that we are doomed. That's not true. No, it's not true. We are thriving right now, and it's simply the little problems that crop up, maybe some big problems that crop up, but we are so creative and we are so brilliant, we can find solutions to that problem. And that's what the law of attraction is all about. It's not about obtaining great wealth so that you can live and travel and do everything that you want to do. That That is very true. We can do that. But When we work for the betterment of serving humanity, you know, the universe rewards us. So the first thing that you want to do in striving to achieve great things is not to focus on the money, but focus on what good it will do for humanity. The person that invented the air conditioning I don't know who that is, but what that person did for me to improve my lifestyle is absolutely dramatic because I can live the full year out in this beautiful oasis. And for that, I'm entirely, incredibly grateful. So let me tell you about tonight's show. Tonight, we have 
Julie Ryan. Now, if you have listened to Law of Attraction Radio Network, you have heard the Ask Julie Ryan radio show. Julie Ryan is a medical intuitive, a psychic, an animal communicator, and on top of all that, she can help people to understand the transitioning um, when they cross over to the other parallel universe or the other place that we go beyond the veil. She is able to talk about these. And what is really amazing is that she taught herself to do this. She wasn't born a psychic. This is a great example that you too can enhance your intuitiveness to become the psychic, to know and allow the downloads from the universe to come through so that you are aware and so that you can do the exact same things as Julie Ryan. She has nailed this down. So tonight we're going to be talking about all kinds of things, medicine, um, how she uh, taught herself to become this medical intuitive, and how she not only enhanced her business, but she is now an author um, talking about what happens when people transition. And I think you're going to find it absolutely fascinating. So I am delighted to take a fast break for these commercial breaks, but also to bring you on the YouTube and everywhere else the delightful and wonderful psychic Julie Ryan. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these words. It's here. It's hot. And it's a must read. It's the science behind the Law of Attraction magazine. Every issue brings you great articles and in-depth how-tos from all your favorite Law of Attraction experts, authors, scientists, and medical professionals. Go to lawofattractionmagazine.net. That's lawofattractionmagazine.net. Great, and we are back. Listen, I want to talk to you about Law of Attraction magazine. Guess who's on the cover of the August 1st issue? It is none other than Neil Donald Walsh. And I did a radio show with him, and it hasn't been aired yet. But in it, he has revealed some amazing things. Matter of fact, I would... Dare to say that this is probably one of the best interviews I've had in my 10-year or 10-year history of broadcasting. So I want you all to not only listen to the show that's coming up and the video with Neil Donald Walsh, but also to read the August issue because it has some mind-blowing information and you're going to love it. I love the fact that we have the magazine for people who are visual, who need to read to comprehend more. And I also love the fact that on the radio, 
people can listen as they are going on their daily commute or exercising or whatever they want to do. Remember, Law of Attraction Radio Network has the apps that you can tune in anytime you want, even through your car stereo, and listen to all of the shows or pick another show host on the network and you can go to stitcher.com and listen to their latest show through the mobile, uh, through the car stereo as well. So you are always going to have access to these inspirational, motivating, feel good shows on Law of Attraction Radio Network, and you are going to read some incredible, mind-blowing articles in Law of Attraction magazine. We are here to serve you and to make sure that you are fully grasping the fact that you are a powerful individual that can accomplish all of your goals easily. It's not difficult if you can just understand that your thoughts are the one thing in your life that you can control and you can monitor them, flip off the negative, stay with the positive, feel good because when you feel good, that's your guidance system into how and what and where to go. It works. And um, just another thing, when you feel that something's not right, listen to it. Back away. Just tell yourself you're going to give it a couple of days before you agree to do it. That will make all the difference. Because the first thing, and we'll find this out with Julie Ryan, is that you've got to trust. Trust your inner guidance system. Trust your gut. It is a brilliant apparatus that the universe provided each human being. And that is what makes us so incredibly powerful. So with that, let's bring on the wonderful, incredible, beautiful Julie Ryan. Well, welcome, Julie Ryan, to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I am so thrilled to have you on my show. You're just like my good friend, and I get to interview you, and this is so much fun. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. It's always fun hanging with you, girl. <laughs> we do have a good time, even though you're yeah. away in Alabama, but we have okay. calls, and when I'm sick, the first person I call is Julie Ryan. And uh, so she just reminded me of the time that I called her and said, I think I'm going to die. You've got to help me. And she just starts laughing and laughing. And she's going, oh, my God, what's going on? <laughs> and it was really nothing. But she tuned in and calmed me down and and it just told me what to do. And everything was perfect. So much fun. Is that right, Julie? That's right. You sent me a text on a Sunday evening and you said, I'm dying. I don't think I'm going to make it. <laughs> so can we talk? <laughs> and, I said, and I texted you back and I said, sure. And I called you right away. And I didn't want to say, because you were obviously very distraught. I didn't want to say, 
okay, are you being a little dramatic here? <laughs> yes. It yes. was hilarious. But you were you were you were punky. You weren't feeling well, so we we kind of did a couple tweaks and made some suggestions, and you felt better. And you're here to tell the tale. So yeah, in good shape. Yeah, it was really it was really great advice. And when you don't have any energy, it's like you can't move. And um, she just got me straight, and I so appreciate it. She's really good. I highly recommend her. So anyway, Julie, let's talk to the people, especially on YouTube, because this is a video. We want to let them know about you, that you're the medical intuitive on Love Attraction Radio Network, that you are psychic, you can help people even with past lives. I know I've been listening to the shows. You are an animal communicator you can talk to, and you have talked to my cats before. And... <laughs> <laughs> I use Julia a lot. And let's see, what else? Oh, transitioning, and you're now an author. But you're also a medical inventor. So it's like, okay, holy cow. we got to get the scoop. How did you get to, well, first I want to find out, medical inventor. Because were you a, a psychic before you were a medical inventor or did you discover it? What did, what's the scoop on that? No, I'm a businesswoman that does woo-woo. That's -woo, what I tell people. <laughs> yeah, um, you and me both. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not one of those psychics who's had dead people stalking her since childhood. Or if I did, I didn't know it. So I, you, you hear about these psychics and they say, yeah, I was three when somebody came to me and I thought I was nuts and all of that. No, I learned how to do all of this stuff. Jules, we're all born with the abilities. I've just studied and enhanced my abilities over 23 years this summer, actually. And I laugh. I spent more money learning how to do this stuff than I did to put myself through college and get a bachelor's degree at the Ohio State University. Oh, but, but no, I'm a, I'm a businesswoman and I'm an entrepreneur and an inventor. What you mentioned, I have invented surgical devices that are sold throughout the world and um, still are after 25 years. And I've started nine companies from scratch in five different industries that are unrelated. So I am truly a serial entrepreneur. Wow. Wow. So but you invented medical devices. Right. You, right. Did you but, use that using your intuition? I don't think, well, oh, I'm sure. I think we all use our intuition in our everyday lives and our business lives. But let me tell you, my two most well-known ones, the first one is a disposable auto transfusion device, which just means when somebody gets a new hip or a knee, the blood that comes out of that joint is really high quality, and it goes into my device. We collect it, and then when it's full, we put a filter on it, and we reinfuse the patient's own whole blood back in them. And that product's been used around the world for over 25 years. And then my other best-known device is called the BASS, like the fish BASS. Wow. But, it, but BASS stands for the Big Ass Suction System. Big Ass <laughs> Suction System? Only <laughs> Julie Ryan would come up with that. <laughs> I know. I even had it trademarked. When did you decide that you wanted to learn more about the woo-woo? 
that you knew that you could do something. When, what sparked that? I was given a book for my birthday and by a neighbor and dear friend, and I read it, and it was by a medical intuitive, and I'd never heard that term before. And I thought, what the heck is this? And so I read the book, and it was very interesting to me. And so back then, that was in the, around 2000, and you went to the bookstore to find more books. So I went to a local bookstore, and I just wanted to see if there was anything else I could find. So that was 20-some years ago, 23 years ago, something like that. It was in the late 90s, mid to late 90s. It's kind of funny because you're like – you're an inventor for the medical, but you're also like a doctor as you are scanning people. And you have so much medical knowledge that you're able to give them at least the keywords to go research out more of what's going on with them. And that's really unusual for medical intuitives. Wouldn't you agree with that? I do. Most medical intuitives that I have heard or read about will talk about energy and energy being blocked and all that. And, and I cover that, but I actually see in my mind's eye the equivalent of x-rays, CT scans, MRIs, and, and I watch healings occur that are energetic that very much resemble or correlate with what I've seen in my 35 years in the medical supply business. Now, I've never been a medical provider, yeah. never been a doctor or a nurse or anything. I was a sales rep coming out of college for a great big medical supply company and started my first company at 25. But I've also had businesses in the natural gas industry, the long-term care um, data, privacy, and security in the advertising industry, and then always something in the medical industry. So I truly am a serial entrepreneur, businesswoman, who I think I'm just naturally curious, Jules, yeah. about all kinds of things. And, and I really follow where I'm led. I took money from my first company that was very successful and then started these other companies, not necessarily in the same industry. And people throughout my life have said, how are these related? And I'll say, well, they're related because I use money from one to fund the next one. So it's truly, it's truly, a, I think it's a DNA thing, this entrepreneurial thing that I've got. Yeah. And it's, it's fun. And you have to have a lot of tenacity with oh, the right. entrepreneurial uh, secret because you cannot give up. You have to right. keep going. And right. when you give up, that is, just giving up too soon. Well, I think it was Forbes or Fortune a few summers ago did an article on entrepreneurs and they had Dylan Lauren, Ralph Lauren's daughter oh, yeah. on the front. And it talked about nature versus nurture. And I believe UPenn did a study on it. It was either UPenn or University of Pittsburgh or one of those schools in Pennsylvania. And they found that there is a, there is a genetic component in 50% of entrepreneurs that make them um, able to take risks. Because I always say, I have to have golden ovaries in order to take risks to do a lot of this stuff because most people wouldn't do it. But it's just, it's, and then people like me, I wasn't raised in an entrepreneurial home. So I really didn't have any frame of reference for it. 
Um, but I think a lot of people are, and then that's the nature and nurture component that are both combined there. Right. And that does, um, how do you, getting from that, how do you describe the law of attraction then? Because you're putting your thoughts out there in order to create. How do you do the law of attraction? It's as if our minds or our heads are all big satellite dishes and we tune into a frequency much like a radio station. When you dial in 95.5 on your car stereo or on your whatever, if you've got a radio, if you're listening to the radio at home, that radio station is broadcasting on that frequency. Uh-huh. They have a license to broadcast on that frequency. And so when you tune into that, then other thoughts and other inspirational thoughts especially are on that frequency. So law of attraction is when we have an idea about something and we're tuned into that and focused on it, we attract other thoughts that are inspiring and then we take the next step and then another thought comes in which causes the next step and the next step. And I often tell people, especially this time of year, we've just gone through graduation season. And especially with college graduates, I say, people are afraid to try things. And I say, look, I didn't know jack about operating supplies or the natural gas business or medical intuitive stuff or any of the different things that I've done in my life. But there's oh, I always know that somebody who knows way more than I am is going to come into my path than I expected and they always arrive. And then I learn from them and then I'll learn from other people. And it's it's amazing how you take one step and the next step appears and just learning to trust that that's going to happen. Right. Exactly. I, I can say the same thing with the radio station. I bet. Yeah, because sure. uh, 10 years ago, I think I was the only one doing it. Well, there was a couple of others, but it was like I didn't understand the terminology, but that didn't stop me. I kept on going. And right. you're right. People started coming in and I started listening. And it's just where you're focused in on that the information will flow to you. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I do believe we have, as I consider myself to be an entrepreneur, the tenacity sure. to stay with it. Don't give up. Right. Because when you give up, you, you, you're just failing. And it's okay to fail, but don't give up. <laughs> Well, and I, I take it a step further from that, Jules. I, I tell people there I don't believe there is anything such as failure. I believe it's just all part of the learning curve. Right. So we really can't make a mistake. There are a bazillion ways for us to get to whatever our end result is that we're looking for. And our human minds don't have the capacity to envision all those different scenarios. And most of those scenarios are based on a bunch of different variables like free will and other things that somebody decides to go right, somebody else decides to go left, and it completely alters the pathway for all three people that are involved. So just the trust and staying focused on what you want to accomplish and being open to how you're going to get there, I think we close ourselves off when we have a very defined path. And I certainly, being in business all these years, I've seen many, many, many business plans and I've written several and had people who work for me write them. And 
Nobody ever follows those. <laughs> I know. Ever. The only reason you write a business plan is to get financing. And so in my later years, if I was starting something new, I don't even mess with the business plan because I self-financed everything. And I, I thought, this is such a waste of time. Even the really big companies, they'll do something on this elaborate plan. They never follow it. And it doesn't guarantee that it's going to be successful. It's just what people have always done. Well, then tell me about journaling, because that's different from a business plan, because a business plan, like you said, you're trying to get financing. But with journaling, you are really paying attention to what your desires are and what you want to create. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, I would say that. But journaling to most people sounds like, okay, I have to spend an hour writing all this stuff that comes into my head. And I think Something that's even way more simplistic that we can do when we are focused on something is to write what our intentions are. Before I get on a plane, and I'm going to be flying tomorrow, before I get on a plane, before I even leave for the airport, I set an intention that the plane's going to be great. I'm going to meet interesting people. I'm going to have a wonderful seat. We're going to be on time. And if we're not on time, we're going to be safe. I mean, I set all of those intentions and it always works out that way. I met my husband in the Kansas, standing behind him in the Kansas City airport. I, you know, wow. I mean, that wasn't in, I wasn't looking for a husband at the time I was going through a divorce, but he was standing in front of me, Jules, and I wanted to put my arms around him and start hugging on him. And, and I thought, oh, God, Ryan, you've lost your mind, girl. Go home and go to bed. You're just tired. And he turned around and we started talking. And, you know, that was almost 20 years ago. Wow. So you just stay open to the possibilities. That's how I ended up in Alabama. He's from here. But we met in the Kansas City Airport, and Jules, I was there for less than 24 hours. Wow. And I looked like crap when I was there. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I did. I had shorts on, tennis shoes. My hair was, I think, in a ponytail. And I, I just, it was hilarious how it all worked out. But if somebody at that stage had told me, You'd be living in Alabama, I'd say, you are out of your ever-loving mind. So, you know, just be willing to, to follow where you're led. So, Julie, let's talk about your new book. Okay. Because it's so wonderful in that you get to reveal what happens at the time of transitioning and now in the beginning of your book you also stated that you believe this is your life's purpose to come and to show people what is actually happening and you know what it's so comforting to people know to know what is what is really going on with their loved ones when they're transitioning so Tell us a little bit more about the book and um, um, everything, actually, because it's so profound. Well, thanks, Jules. I appreciate that. It's called Angelic Attendance, like attendance at a wedding, A-T-T-E-N-D-A-N-T-S. Not like you, not like they take attendance at school, but attendance like somebody that's attending to you. And I, I see in my mind's eye, everybody goes through this transition period, and, and I've equated it to, I call it the 12 phases of transition. And it involves angels and deceased loved ones and 
deceased pet spirits, family and friends who are there to help the person transition from physical into non-physical. We would say go to heaven. And most of the books that are out there, Jules, I find are normally about their, the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, you know, the five yeah. stages of grief, or they're about near-death experiences. But I haven't been able to find anything remotely like what I see in that here's what happens when you're dying and here's what happens during the transition process. And I find that most people, regardless of culture in this day and age, are afraid to die. And I think it's a fairly new phenomenon. I, I believe that back probably oh, maybe in the even as as recent as the the 19th century, perhaps people weren't as afraid to die as they are now. And so the, the whole gist of the book is to help relieve that fear. And I equate it primarily back to the fifth century. There was a Gregorian chant that the best I can, my research has shown originated in the fifth century where some monk wrote this chant called in paradisum. And it talks about the angels angels and your loved ones will greet you and lead you into paradise. And that's what I see happen. So they are in the last final moments or, for example, we'll say my father died um, and he was in a coma for like the last 24 hours. Well, mm -hmm. morphine induced. Um so, and, and he was very afraid to die. He didn't know, he didn't believe in the woo-woo like I do. So it doesn't affect me as much, but I had tried to calm him down. So are you saying during the last 24 hours or the last half an hour, what typically happens that the, re uh, the relatives pop up? Is that to calm the person down to make them be less apprehensive about dying or what? I think some, but I, but what I see is that the, the patient spirit or the person who's dying, the dying per person's spirit, we are spirits in a human body having a human experience is right. what I perceive. And what happens is when people talk about going through the tunnel and a near death experience, the spirit leaves the body through the top of the head and it holds on to the top of the head. It looks like a cartoon caption bubble, you know, in a cartoon, the words that the cart that the character is thinking or speaking, you'll see them in a bubble. Yeah. And that's, that's what it looks like. And that's when I scan somebody and I see that their spirits out of their body and it's being held on the top of their head, still attached to the top of the head in this bubble formation, I know they're dying. But the next phase is the, the closest maternal parental spirits show up. So, for instance, in your dad's case, I assume your grandmother, his mother was gone. Yes. Okay, so his mother's spirit showed up, and then his father, if his father was deceased, his father's spirit showed up next. And they, they're always in the same position at the patient's feet. But the deceased maternal spirit, whether that be the maternal, you know, the mother, the maternal grandmother, the maternal grandmother's mother, which would be the maternal great-grandmother, always on that maternal line, they're the ones that really run the show in the transition from the spiritual side. 
they call in angels. They call in the deceased other loved ones and friends. They call in the pet spirits. It's really interesting for me to watch everything transpire with this maternal spirit who's really running the show. It's fascinating. We think we mothers think we're done with our kids once they're adults. And those of us with adult children, my son just turned 25 a couple of days ago. My son, Jonathan, we know we're never, you know, we're still mothering. It's just in a different way, not changing diapers or cutting up food for little people, but we're still mothering. And even from the spirit world, we're mothering to our children, which is really cool. I think. Yeah. So this bubble can happen within 24 hours. No, normally the bubble, the bubble can happen. It can happen instantly in the case of an accident or a suicide or something that happens very rapidly, or it can take days, weeks, months. And then there are 12 phases that everybody goes through. And it involves when I scan somebody who's dying, I can tell how close to death they are based on the configuration of how the angels and the deceased loved ones are positioned in that configuration. So for instance, when the maternal spirit calls in the angels, the angels start out as a big circle. And these are big old angels, Jules. These are, as I perceive them, they look like guardian angels to me. They're between six and seven feet tall. They all look the same. And they surround the dying person in a circle. And then as that person gets closer to death, that circle opens up into a horseshoe and eventually at the time of death is in a straight line at the foot of the bed, for instance, if the patient's in in a bed. It's really fascinating to watch. Wow. So even if they're on morphine or whatever, they, they have no problem. When does the person recognize that they're dying? Well, again, that's individual. I think their spirit knows they're dying because we all decide when we go and who's with us when we go. There are all kinds of stories about people will say, my God, I was with grandma for weeks and I got up to get a cup of coffee and she slipped away while I was out of the room. Well, that's grandma's decision when she goes. My uncle died last weekend and that's where I'm flying in the morning to Ohio for his funeral. And my brother, he, he'd been in hospice for several weeks, had not been well for years. But when I skinned him throughout the past probably three or four weeks, he was at various stages, six, stage phase six, phase eight, whatever. But my brother texted me on Saturday morning last weekend, and he said, Uncle Dick's not doing well. We're going to go down and see him. And I think he's taken a really dramatic turn for the worse. So I got him on my radar, which I can do from anywhere instantly. And I could see that he was in phase 11. And one of the interesting things about him was in in the kind of the later phases, there's a vortex that happens above the person's head. And it looks almost like a funnel cloud, like what you'd see with a tornado. Yeah. And my uncle had his spirit had started to enter the vortex. The vortex is an upward spin. So it helps pull the spirit, helps the spirit evacuate from the body and disengage and go back into non-physical. And it reminds me, Jules, this is such a funny analogy. It reminds me of when you go through the car wash in the dryer and you're sitting in the car and the dryer's sucking all the water off off your car, you know, near the end of the car wash. And 
That's what it feels like to me. And that's what I see that vortex is caused by the movement of angels wings, which I know sounds wild, but that's what I see happen. So when I saw that my uncle was, his spirit had started to enter the vortex, that is final, final, final stages. And I, I said to my husband and I also texted my brother back and I said, I'll be surprised if he makes it through the day based on what I'm seeing. And this was maybe 1030 in the morning, my time. And I think he died a couple of hours later, maybe at one in the afternoon, his time or something. So it comes in handy when I'm working with families, especially when the families are, are out of town because they're flying in and they're taking time off work and they're bringing kids home from school and internships and in other countries and things like that. And so my clients find it really helpful and my family and friends find it really helpful when they can help gauge that. The other thing that's important is that I can communicate with the, the dying person telepathically. So I always ask everybody three questions. Are you ready to go? Are you in pain? What do you need? Uh, and it's a, and it's amazing the answers that I get. And then I relay that to the family. And um, are the majority of them ready to go? A lot of them are. Uh, I would say near the end phases, yes. But in the in the beginning and middle phases, they have specific requests like I need to see my family and say goodbye. I, I had one client who kept telling me to tell his daughter to file, to mail his quarterly tax returns. And this went on for a couple of weeks. He'd said goodbye, everybody been in to see him. And she kept saying, oh, for God's sakes, I'm not going to do that. And I said, finally, she called me and she said, he's just not going. What's up? And I said, he wants you to mail his quarterly tax returns. And so she said, I don't even know where they are. So I asked him and he said, they're in my desk drawer, second drawer on the left or something. And I said, just go get them and put them in the mailbox. I mean, how hard is that? So she did. They were right where he said they would be. She put them in the mailbox. She got to the hospital. He died 20 minutes later. Oh, my goodness. Now, that's so, a first. I've never heard of a person <laughs> wanting to pay taxes that badly before they die. I know. Well, he was a retired dentist and was very meticulous that's about like, his books and his money and his, you know, all of that. And uh, he, he knew, I guess, that it would be easier for her, his daughter, who was the executor of his estate, if it, those were already filed. So it was hilarious. But then I'll hear, I'll hear requests like, there was one little old lady in South Georgia several years ago who wanted her family to go get her red hymnal. And I told that to her granddaughter who, who brought me in into the situation. And I said, she wants her red hymnal. <laughs> she said, I don't even know what that is. And I said, well, it's like a prayer book of songs. And they were Southern Baptists. You know, she was a, a, uh, very staunch Southern Baptist. So she said, I don't know where it is. So I asked grandma, grandma said it's in my, in the, the nightstand next to my bed and whatever drawer. So anyways, the daughter goes to the, the grandma's house. She gets this red prayer book with hymns. They bring it back. And grandma tells me to tell the family, she wants them to sing some of the songs out of it. And she wanted them to sing amazing grace. And this was a woman who'd had Alzheimer's for 
years, oh, like wow. 10 years or longer, had not been able to talk in many, many years. And at the end, the family sang Amazing Grace. She sang it with them. Wow. Now, Jules, this woman had not been able to talk in years, remember, and she died, she died, you know, very soon thereafter. So the requests are really heartwarming and really, you know, so comforting to the family. So that's really wonderful that you can communicate with somebody who has Alzheimer's as if yeah. they didn't have Alzheimer's. Right. And that is phenomenal. And I have read and heard things of Alzheimer's patients can remember things from their childhood, especially right. songs. So right. it's not surprising what you just told me, but it is really neat that they're not dying alone. They're still very much. So do they communicate with the people around them, even though yeah. they can't speak? Yes, they can. You mean from a spiritual telepathic standpoint? Right, right. Yes, yes. And and I work with Alzheimer's patients all the time, not just the ones that are dying. And oftentimes the family will say, can you ask my dad if, you know, if he's happy in this facility, if he's getting good care, how about this nurse? And it's amazing the information that we're able to get telepathically from our loved ones. Uh, but to your point about can they communicate with spirits, the most professionals, most providers, especially hospice providers, will tell you, and it's in their literature, expect your, your loved one to say they're seeing deceased family and friends. It's very common. And so you'll hear people talk about, well, they'll tell their family, I'm seeing my mom or I'm seeing my sister or I'm seeing Jesus or I'm seeing the Buddha or whomever. And, um, and, and that's very, very, very common. I actually see all these people as well. And I describe to the family, okay, there's a woman with white hair and she's wearing a pink sweater that <laughs> buttons up the front and there's a guy here and he's in overalls or whatever and they'll say oh that's grandma Susie and that's grandpa John and I'll say okay there's a there are a bunch of cows and chickens and ducks and dogs and cats and stuff and the animal there's an animal section where the spirits of deceased pets are and invariably the family will say well yeah, my mom grew up on a farm and that cow you described, her name was Molly and that dog, that collie's name was Lassie or whatever. And so it's very comforting to the family members when they see or hear, when they hear what I'm seeing. And sometimes they'll send me pictures or show me pictures of who I'm describing and it's describing them to a T. So it's really comforting to the family as well. You know, I had this thought that people have been dying ever since we existed or planet earth existed but this is the time where we're starting to understand the death perspective through you um so it's a very natural occurrence but it's because of you that we can understand what is really happening and how natural it is and how beautiful it is and how peaceful it is. We don't have to be afraid. Right. And it, it really what I see for everybody, Jules, regardless of who the person is, 
everybody goes through this. Everybody is surrounded by angels. Everybody's surrounded by deceased loved ones. Everybody's surrounded by deceased pets if they have pets throughout their life at any point. But what I see is really glorious. There is nothing scary about it. You know, I I used to have these discussions with my dad when he was alive and my dad was almost a priest. He studied in Rome at the Vatican for six years. And so he was very, during the early 50s, and so he, he was very indoctrinated in the purgatory and the hell and the sins and, you know, all that jazz. And I used to say, Dad, they don't exist. I mean, I've never seen angels fly off with somebody's spirit and drop them into a burning pit. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't happen. And so one of my spirit guides is a, a dead pope okay. named Clement. And he showed up oh, 10 years ago or so. And, and he, he showed up and he had his whole pope outfit on, you know, the mitre, the hat, and the he was in his vestments and stuff. And I said, well, who are you? And he said, I'm Clement. And I said, well, there was a Pope Clement. I never heard of a Pope Clement. <laughs> he said, yeah, I was number six. I said, okay, what can I do for you? And he said, if you'll just share what you do with these people who are transitioning, along with all your medical intuitive stuff and past life stuff and scanning bed stuff and all that, he said, you will be doing your life's work. To your point, when we first got started, you mentioned that. But, but. It was just so incredible that this dead Pope shows up, starts talking to me, and he said, everything you've done in your business life is to prepare you for this, but you just have to share this with the world. And so after he left, I, of course, Googled him to find out who he was. Jules, he was in office during the 14th century during the bubonic plague that killed off like 60% of Europe. And I thought, for God's sakes, and... He's best known for his prayers for the dying and his prayers for the dead. And I, you know, I always laugh. I always tell people, I can't make this stuff up. Wow. This Pope who's who's in office during the bubonic plague, for God's sake, shows up and says to me, you're supposed to teach the world about this. And I'm saying, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm a businesswoman. (laughs) I I don't, like, go out and talk about this stuff, you know, to the masses and so he's one of my spirits got spirit guides and has been prodding me for years to do this and and I finally gotten the golden ovaries to do this Jules and release it um, on a massive scale. Golden ovaries, I like that. Yeah, I, I'm going to start using that. Um, tell me the difference between the near death because the near death doesn't get to experience the final transition of the angels, right? So they remain in that bubble uh, above their head, and that's where they make the decision to come back or are instructed to come back. What are we, how do we put those two together? All of the above. Depends on each individual's path and experience and, and free will. So some people go through the funnel. They go through the, the um, vortex, I call it. And they they never are carried off. Some people are carried off and come back. One of the stories in my book is about a woman who was carried off and did come back. Um, some people uh, experience after death experiences and then choose to come back into their bodies. So it's it's just a whole multitude of all of the above. 
Okay. The so interesting, it, the interesting thing about the vortex, if I can make a quick point, is when I was researching this for the book, I always have felt like when the angels' wings start to move, they're very slow and rhythmic, and they remind me of a giant owl. And I thought, okay, you know, what what's up with this? I wonder if there's any correlation. So I researched it, and what I found is that anything that flies, whether it be a bird, a plane, a jet, an angel, whatever, the movement of the wings, whether they be mechanical or natural in the event of a bird, they create an upward draft that causes a vortex, and that's what causes the lift. It's all about aeronautical engineering, and I was reading and researching this stuff and thinking, oh, good heavens. I had no idea that what I'm seeing is actually a physics situation being caused. I mean, I knew the angel's wings caused the vortex to form because I've seen it a bazillion times with working with people who are dying, but I never knew there was an, there was an engineering or an aeronautical physics type explanation for it, which I thought was really cool that something in the spirit world, the movement of the angel's wings creates a vortex, which affects us in this human reality and in the spiritual reality at the same time and helps the spirit disengage from the body. That is really interesting. So physics uh, exists then oh, yeah. on the other side of the veil. Well, not only exists, but, but the movement of the angel's wings in the non-physical has a huge effect in our physical reality. I think when we talk about different realities, we think about that there's a line of demarcation, and oftentimes there is, but this is something that's very obvious to me. And the let's and I've lost track, and I can't even tell you how many times that I've worked with people who are dying. Um, and most of it's remote, most of it, I'm very rarely there. Wow. I've been there a handful of times with my mother and my sister and my, and my father. That was it. I mean, three times, and, I, and I've lost count on the others. The other interesting thing, back to your point about the near-death experience, is that I think a lot of that has to do also with if the patient really is not feeling like it's their time and they're in some kind of a medical situation where the body is giving up but the spirit's not ready to go, and so they come back. But it's all part of the free will equation. Right, right. And furthermore, many people are so afraid to die, and they're not people that you would imagine would be afraid. For instance, my aunt, who lived in Kansas City, was, she had a hotline to heaven. I mean, this woman would pray about something. It, it was amazing. She was amazing. And I went to see her when she was dying. She was in the hospital. I was on the ground in Kansas City less than maybe 12 hours or something. I flew in, rented a car, went to the hospital, spent several hours with her, you know, drove back to the airport and flew home. And just because of what my schedule was, but I, I walked in the room and she had not been coherent for a couple of weeks. I walked in the room. My uncle was there. She was coherent. She grabbed my hand. The first thing she said to me was, you have to tell me what's going to happen. I'm really afraid. And I thought, you are the last person on the planet I would expect to hear that from. So I talked to her about the angels are here. Your parents are here. She had lost a baby as a, as a toddler. You know, your daughter is here. 
and she just calmed down and she went a couple of days later and my uncle said the only time she talked was when I was in the room. So to your question, you know, do our spirits really, can they communicate? She knew I was coming on some level. She wanted to communicate with me. And then when I left, she went back to non-communicating with, to not communicating with her family. Wow. Amazing. So the stories in the book, you know, the, the, the subject matter maybe sounds a little depressing, but the stories in the book and the, the descriptions and the graphics and everything, I believe when people read it, they're heartwarming. They're amazing. First of all, they're heartwarming. They're funny. And it's very uplifting. And I tell people, when you read this book, it's going to change your life in a good way. Yeah. Because once we get rid of the fear, there's nothing stopping us. We, we can go forward and enjoy and do what we have to do. That's right. Let me ask you, what happens after the angels take us from the vortex? And what happens afterwards? What happens to the soul? What Do they experience a school? Do they experience um, incredible beauty? What do they experience? Yes, all of the above. Not a school in the traditional ways that we think of school that we've all attended, but more so in anything you think of and anything you want is right there when you're in non-physical. But when we're in non-physical, we choose to come to the physical because non-physical beings consider this to be really fun, which sounds a little twisted, especially if you're going through something rough and you think, holy mackerel, we really chose this, but it's true. And so what I find is that heaven, unlike St. Peter sitting at some pearly gates, you know, waiting for us to come through, heaven to me, Jules, appears like a this wall of brilliant white-yellow light, and it has almost a plasma-like consistency to it. So when we go through it, it closes back up and there's no trace. Uh, I do this exercise with people called a walk to heaven when people are dying, especially people who are very afraid to die. So I, I do this walk to heaven and I, and I walk their spirit along with my spirit through what's going to happen, how they're going to enter this wall. And on the other side of the wall, all their family and, and deceased loved ones are going to be there waiting for them. Most of the time, it's all those people that are in the room with them at the same time when we're in non-physical, we can be everywhere all at the same time. Because I believe we're made in the image and likeness of God in spirit form. Mm. Don't think God is some old man in a white robe, you know, with long white hair and a white beard. Right. I believe we're made in the image and likeness of God in spirit form. So that helps relieve a lot of, of anxiety for the person who's dying. The other thing that's interesting is when we're in non-physical and we can be everywhere. Whenever I scan somebody and they want to talk to a deceased loved one, you know, most psychics will say, okay, somebody's around you and they have, their name starts with an M or a K or an L or whatever. I'm like, okay, let's cut to the chase. Who do you want to talk to? And say, well, I want to talk to my mother. Okay, great. What's mom's name? Mary. We bring Mary in and Mary's right there. She looks like a hologram of what she looked like when she was alive in her last lifetime. And we talk to Mary. Um, likewise, past lives. 
same thing. When we do past life scans, I do those all the time for people, and those are really fun because I'm given dates and times and years and where you are, and I and I describe what I'm seeing. It's almost like I'm watching a mini movie, and then we can we can correlate it um, by googling the the information. Okay, in Rome in 712, this is what warriors wore, or this is what the you know the military men wore, and I. I've already described based on what I've seen when I'm doing the past life scan. So it's really pretty fun. Wow. All this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's go back to when the person has died and yeah. they are, they actually probably I'm getting flashes here of people who come to the planet earth because it's like, they're going to be starring in their own movie. Exactly. And so that is, a lot of the law of attraction is that you can write your own movie and you're on stage. Therefore you can create anything you want. So that right. verifies that. Well, and I think too, so much of that is what we've been taught, especially those of us raised in an organized religion. We've been taught about free will. And I think free will ties in with the law of attraction. You know, you can reinvent your life, when you're in human format, I certainly have many, many times. And, you know, I mean, how do you go from being an inventor of medical devices to shipping natural gas across interstate pipelines to the states where it's deregulated and buying gas on the spot market and dealing with futures markets and stuff? Well, they're not related. So we all have, that's what I, you know, a couple of things that I've done in my career, but we all have the capability to reinvent ourselves at any time. And that's all part of the free will. And it's all part of the law of attraction, which is the same thing to me. Wow. This is so fascinating and we're almost out of time, but I, can you say the name of your book again and where sure. we can find it? Because I sure. know many want to read it. It's called angelic attendance. What really happens as we transition from this life into the next, and you can go to askjulieryan.com and you can find a link on that or it's available on Amazon both in ebook and in paperback right now and it will be available everywhere books are sold here in the next couple of weeks so the Barnes and Nobles and the you know Apple Books and all that jazz that will be they'll be available in the next couple of weeks but it is available on Amazon right now Fabulous, fabulous. One more thing, if I if I can sure. take one more second, Jules and mention Jules and mention, I have many many people who call into my show, which by the way is, as you probably already mentioned, is on Thursday nights at at eight Eastern, seven Central, five Pacific. But I oftentimes will have somebody call in or send me a note and say, "How did you develop this stuff? What did you do? You know, what schools did you attend, and all of that." And all of that history is in the book about how I went through developing these capabilities and my methodologies and, and um, what I see and how it all unfolded, which people who've read the book have said that they loved being able to read that because it was so different from just reading something about a psychic that was born knowing they were psychic. Right. Mine is all learned. Yeah, and that's what we've got to get the message out to everyone is that everybody has these capabilities Everybody can do it if they take the time to develop it, practice, practice, practice. Is that correct? Right, right. It's just like playing a piano. you got to fine-tune 
I've learned, first of all, I turn it on and off at will. I don't walk around scanning people because I think it's unethical, number one. Number two, it's none of my business. Number three, I don't really want to know. So I raise my vibrational level to the level of spirit, the level of non-physical. Because when our spirits are in our bodies, they vibrate at a slower rate simply because our, our bodies have mass. Yeah. Definitely. So I've learned how to raise my vibrational level to the level of spirit. And then I can communicate with people who are alive, their spirits, people who are deceased, their spirits, as you know, animals, past life. It's just by, by raising my level to the level of spirit, then I can accomplish, I, I don't know, accomplish. I can tap into some of the abilities that we all have when we're in heaven and we're in non-physical. The barriers don't exist to our five physical senses. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. But how okay. did you how did you reach that level? How it's in the book. It's I in the book. How to okay. Do it. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much, Julie, for coming on and sharing this wonderful news. And I hope everyone goes out and buys your fabulous book. Thanks so much. Appreciate the opportunity. Always a treat to talk with you. I know. It's so much fun. Okay. Thanks, Julie. Alrighty. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with another great show from Law of Attraction Talk Radio. If you'd like to comment on tonight's show, send an email to jules at loaradionetwork.com and have a great week.